In this episode, we return to the Nicholas Cage well that never runs dry and discuss The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. Hey, all three of us are here. Ba da ba ba ba. For the first time in over a month. McDonald's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's been a while. Yeah. Stuart, how did you feel uh, about the fact that we needed to get a big TV star in here to 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 uh, fill the void that you leave when you? Um, can't be on the show. Keep in mind that well, when I left, my void was filled by Andy Rocco. Well, wow. <laughs> who's a very, he's a fan of the who's show. A very funny, who's a very funny, very good person, but, you know, not a TV star yet. Yeah. Keep, I, keep, keep reaching for those stars, Andy. I think you're gonna, you're still gonna get I was still expecting somebody to, uh, to, to call me up and tell me that I'm kicked off the uh, podcast. Yeah, I we had, could never I had, I had uh, we suicide we implements <laughs> in place, all laid out. We can't I'm not going to go into exactly rate, what method so I was going to use. Very expensive. Yeah, oh yeah. Catering alone was higher mm-hmm. than what Dan usually pays for anything. Yeah, you, for the popcorn that I <laughs> gave you tonight. Yeah, it was a pretty fancy spread tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You used all those spices on the popcorn. I did put some extra spice on it. It was popcorn. a little too flavorful for me. I got to admit. Yeah. Sure. One thing that delicate the audience they say about you should know <laughs> is that Elliot does not like flavor. I don't. Bland it up, please. That's what I say. Anything that you might find on the buffet at an old folks' home, Elliot would love. It's one of many ways I fit the stereotype of white guy. Yeah. I want to apologize to Andy Rocco. I think he did a great job and he was really funny. Yeah. Mm, so... Uh, do you want to insult any more of our fans or <laughs> should see. we go into the movie? Line them up and let's go. <laughs> Sure. I did an- inadvertently uh, insult that um, freelancer for the AV Club that one time. I didn't mean to, and now why? What did you say? I don't know. I, don't I, I, I just made a joke about him being a freelancer as opposed to a full lance. Uh, Oof, full a full answer. Yeah, yeah, a full answer. <laughs> don't even know words. <laughs> and now we're never we're never going to get reviewed by the the, the AV Club as a podcast. Uh, Do they ever review podcasts? Column? No, they've yes. got a weekly podcast column now. And oh, then they should review us. Yeah. Well. Well, you fucked that up. I did. Yeah, Witta dropped the ball for all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we'll never be famous. Now we'll never replace those idiots on the Ebert show. <laughs> sure. No right being on television. Uh, I find it odd that you, Elliot, <laughs> were the only one with a legitimate showbiz job is the one angry that we will never be famous. This was going to be the rocket I rode to the moon. <laughs> yeah. And by moon, I mean Hollywood. And I was going to ride clutching his coattails the whole way. Yeah. Oh, man. We had, we had big plans. Rocket yeah. Moon coattail plans. <laughs> I know where I am in this scenario, and it's on the Earth looking up at you with a big telescope. Yep. We're, we're waving down at you. I mean, <laughs> sure. We don't forget the You're the first people. one who gets the, you know, the hand pistol motion targeted mm-hmm. at you. Like, and when hey, we win our shotguns. award for, for best potty and P.O.D., not like potty like <laughs> okay, that. Okay, I was a little when we went, And we also just That's up, a completely well, different and award. And when we win the award for best potty at the Toilet Designers Convention, <laughs> we're going to say, and all the people who helped us get here, and that's you. Mm. So I'm we'll the forgot- figurative turd in your body award. <laughs> we'll have forgotten your name by then. Okay. <laughs> we got to get back to work on that unnamed- toilet design. <laughs> yeah. Last Brandon week- McCoy. Yeah. Well, un- unnamed Scotch Irishman. <laughs> that guy. 
He owned a lot of microphones. Mm-hmm. That's what recommended him. Anyway. Movies, huh? <laughs> sure. Well, we're done insulting our listeners. <laughs> yeah. Is this is this a bit But not or, each other, guys. Like, is this a, it, like a joke or what are we what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> well, is this some kind of like a comedy bit or <laughs> no, All right, let me explain like, the premise of the podcast okay. to you again. Sure. <laughs> what we do yep. is we gather together sure. as friends. Uh, the three okay, of us. Okay, sure. Okay. We watch a movie, <laughs> one that we presume might be a bad movie. Okay. Right. And then afterwards, we fire up the old podcast machine. Okay. And we record a conversation about it. Do the old talk and talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not a walk so, and talk because we can't move the table fast enough. Let's do that sometime. Let's do a podcast where we do you have lavalier mics that we can clip on. Where we can uh, like walk not. around the neighborhood. Yeah, we'll take a walk around the neighborhood. Yeah, interview people about the movie that we just watched <laughs> that they haven't seen. <laughs> sure. Excuse me. That, that reminds me of a time I was. I well, we'll get to the movie eventually. <laughs> sure. It reminds me of a time Danielle and I, before we were married, were leaving a dinner and we were just walking down the street in Midtown. It was at night, so there was no one around. And this woman with a microphone and one guy with a <laughs> TV camera came up and she said, "Excuse me, what do you think about the new Do Me Do You?" And we were like, we don't know what you're talking about. We literally don't know what the words you're saying mean. Is that some sort of Dr. Doolittle thing? Apparently it's some sort of life a, philosophy. Oh. Sounds like a sex act. Yeah. It does. But then well, that's I'm they, assuming most things that people I, ask me using the microphone What went through my head was, I assume act. this woman is on co- public access television. Right. She's probably asking about sex, but I don't know. But yeah. she wasn't. It turns like, this, if you don't know how the, she gets off. Is she goes out, she <laughs> pretends to be a newswoman, <laughs> and she asks people about yeah, sex. I mean, yeah. if you don't know the sex slang, you're... You probably don't have an opinion on it, right? I have to assume so, yeah. Yeah. So we so, watched a movie is what you were saying. <laughs> so, yeah. that, but, so that was my version of a dull story. Yeah, that's the segue into Sorcerer's Apprentice. The Sorcerer's Apprentice, the movie based on a thing. Mm-hmm. Does, this, uh, does this put Nicolas Cage in uh, the, I think, the top? I think we've seen at least three. I didn't. I missed one of them. I but. can't imagine that there are more. Oh, no. Me. Well, there's – there was next. Mm-hmm. There was the one where he with the prophecy and the aliens. Knowing, knowing. there was uh, Bangkok Dangerous. Sure, next was so good. There was this one. That's four right there. Yeah. And I think that's not all of the Nicolas Cages we've seen. Right in, listeners, because we're too lazy to go back into our archives and just look at the list of back <laughs> in the stacks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think this makes Nick Cage our flop star. Yeah. And uh, so he, congratulations, he, Nicholas Cage. I would say he kind of brought it tonight. Kind of. He half brought it. Mm-hmm. There were moments where he is great, and there are many I mean, moments he, where he, he is. He brought it more it. than in Bangkok Dangerous. Oh, yeah, certainly. He did not bring it on all or nothing, but okay. he brought it on <laughs> some or nothing, probably. Yeah? Stuart's, yeah. Stuart's dubious. Uh, well, I'm just trying to – I'm imagining Part the scale. Should sure. we explain what this movie is about? Sure. Why not? Sorcerer's Apprentice comes from the same well of Disney-owned properties that brought us Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. Haunted Mansion, and the upcoming movie where all the rides that aren't big enough to get their own movie come to life all at once, okay. which they've announced, which I assume means like Kitchen Cabaret, the Safari Jungle Ride, probably oh, like one. Carousel of Progress, uh, Thunder Mountain Railroad. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, which I guess is based on a movie and a book. Yeah. Now, Space Mountain getting its own movie. It seems like Space Mountain so, would get its. Own. I would I've hope so. Center, but, right? un- but there's a lot of the weird thing is there's a lot of movies set in space, so that's not yeah. enough of a concept. Now they've never made a mountain climbing movie in space. So. I, so I guess the Matterhorn Mountain <laughs> is going to be one. So I, we got to make it clear though that we're doing we're talking about Disney uh, Disney World or Disneyland rides, and this is not based on that. It's based on um, 
Well, I mean, it, but it's uh, Disney properties. It's what a Disney. Pro- well, I mean, we all remember the Sorcerer's Apprentice segment. What from about Fantasia, the Country Bears? Were the Country they Bears? They had a movie already. Okay. The story of Sorcerer's Apprentice and predates. It's pretty great. Yes, that's true. But I mean, Disney, obviously, but Disney has its. Well, that's it does predate it. But we all remember the segment Fantasia with Mickey Mouse. He's the Sorcerer Apprentice. Mm-hmm. He wants the brooms to do his work for him. Michael Mouse. They do. <laughs> <laughs> Michael J. Mouse. <laughs> that's his full name. Shortened to Mickey. Yep. To Irish it is, up a little. His bit name is, is actually Micklin Mouse. <laughs> yep. He makes the brooms do his bidding, but they do it too well, and they flood the place. And Mickey is rewarded with a swift kick in the rear by the sorcerer. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they did it too well. I think they're just a little too enthusiastic. They're single-minded, the brooms. Okay, yeah. They don't know when to quit. They will not let getting chop, chopped up keep them no, their they, pointed rounds. They regenerate like starfish. Yeah. Well, that, anyway, that's not what this movie's about. <laughs> no, this, that, that's, that's one scene in the film that's... Thrown in literally to tie the property to that other property. Very obligatory. But here's the story. We start off roughly five to six hundred years ago, sometime in the Middle Ages-y type period. Sure. And in about, one, in about 67 seconds, we are told that Nicolas Cage is a wizard. Merlin is there. Morgan Le Fay is trying to kill Merlin. Nick, she, she does. Nicolas Cage tries to stop her. Now, these are all figures we will, of course, all remember from... The Morta Arthur. Yes. Right? Oh, Nicholas yep. Cage's name is Baltazar Blake, and his enemy, who used to be his best friend, is Alfred Molina, aka Horvath. And, and this is all told to us by the dulc- be- yeah, dulcet tones of Ian McShane. Ian McShane, my old pal, who uh, we who talks really fast while these things happen, and it feels like they're recapping season one of The Sorcerer's Apprentice yeah. before the sure. season two season premiere. Uh, so. Horv- and keep in mind, everything I'm telling you at the moment is about two minutes of screen time. I'm imagining season one of The Sorcerer's <laughs> Apprentice where Donald Trump is just firing sorcerers <laughs> left and right. I like your spells. <laughs> Good with levitation, but I'm sorry. You're fired. Yeah. Please pack up your hat with stars and moons on it and go. <laughs> but so, okay. Uh, Alfred Molina's bad. Morgan Le Fay is bad. Nicholas C- they kill Merlin. Nicholas Cage manages to trap Morgan Le Fay in his girlfriend's body and then trap the girlfriend. <laughs> Which, is, of course, is what you want to do. Yes, and the girlfriend is Monica Bellucci, so, you know, yeah. nice real estate. Uh, yeah. They manages to trap the double woman into a Russian stacking doll and also traps Alfred Molina in a Russian stacking doll. Merlin dies and gives him a little dragon figurine that looks like one of those pewter things you buy at the mall. Yeah. And says, this will help In you. In a store that also sells swords and, and, like, skulls with gems in the eyes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and T-shirts with the Travis Bickle on. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and says, uh, Merlin was the only one who could kill Morgan Le Fay, but someday there will be another super powerful wizard, the Prime Merlinian, who will have the power <laughs> to kill Morgan Le Fay. This dragon figurine will help him find it. And so, for the next... A couple of centuries, Nicolas Cage – again, this is all the first couple that minutes is, of the yeah, movie. Yeah, three minutes of screen time. <laughs> the, the next couple hundred years, Nicolas Cage wanders the world testing young magical children. None of them are the prime Merlin. Yeah, the test is him letting them hold this little stupid dragon figurine and when it doesn't work, he shakes his head and walks and off. And just walks away. In his different costume each time. Okay, flash forward to the year 2001. Pre-September 11th, I assume, because everyone still has that glow of optimism about it. Yeah, absolutely. We remember how it was. A naivety. Oh, I do. And uh, uh, there's a kid who 
is just uh, a, like a nerdy just, dude. Just a, just a terrible actor. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> just imagine. And also, the kid's a bad, bad actor. actor. He's not as bad as the kid in Less Airbender. No. But... He's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, you're pointing out that he was cast basically because he had the same hair as oh, Jay Baruchel. That was Stuart that was mentioned me. that. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm the observant one this time. Yeah. Okay. I know it's easy to get us confused. Since I think this was, think exactly this was the point in the movie where Dan had gotten frustrated and decided to leave the room <laughs> There for were a while. Multi- multiple <laughs> points in the movie that for that. Anyway, so this kid is a little nerdy, but he's artistic. And he catches he's autistic? Artistic. Oh, okay. And he catches the odd. But we're autistic, maybe. I mean, he could be. He did the, pee his pants. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get, we're getting that. <laughs> and he loves Tesla coils. Catch it, not yet. That's later in his life. He catches the eye of a, of a classmate who's a girl, gives her a note that says, will you be my friend or girlfriend? Those are the two choices she can check off one. None of the above should have been provided as an option. <laughs> yeah, but in a much smaller box like to a check. Control group, yeah. sort of. <laughs> Just to give her the, the illusion of free will. Sure. And uh, <laughs> well, that's what he, that, he knows the secret. He's playing a mind game on her. That's true. He's like a pollster, a modern day pollster. Yeah. It's a push pull. <laughs> uh, a push me pull, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> Anywho, comes back around. She marks it off, but then they're on a trip to see the Statue of Liberty. She marks it off, but then the wind takes the paper out of the air. He chases it. Down. Wind or magic? Well, it might be magic because it leads him to a. Dusty old curiosity shop known as the Arcana Cabana. <laughs> Even though it is not a cabana, not a tropical place. But clearly, clearly partly financed by Sammy well, Hagar. <laughs> Sammy Hagar's like, magic shop. You get a free pina colada with every magic purchase. The Cabo Wabo Arcana Cabana. <laughs> so he enters the Arcana Cabana and finds Nicolas Cage, who is in his long scraggly hair best, <laughs> who tells him basically, this is a magic shop. Here, hold this dragon figurine. The dragon figurine turns into a ring, meaning that he is the prime Merlinian. Here, I'm going to teach you to be a sorcerer, but don't touch anything. Of course, the kid touches the first thing he sees, which is the stacking doll that has Alfred Molina trapped in it. He breaks it open. Alfred Molina emerges from a cloud of cockroaches. And then there's a magic (laughs) battle with Nicolas Cage. Alfred Molina. It's, It's very exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. And There's Alfred, a lot of uh, fireballs thrown around and force bolts. A lot of the magic just involves things being – like energy bolts being thrown at each other. It's not really that imaginative. Yeah. There's one point where Alfred Molina uses magic to make a sword like float in the air and fight. Yeah. But it's like that's – most of the time it's literally just throwing Hadoukens at each other. Yeah. yeah. They might as well be fighting with like a couple of tasers. Yeah. yeah, basically, or just like telekinesis. Yeah. Anywho. Or kung fu or something. Nicolas Cage and Alfred Molina, the, a fire starts, and Nicolas Cage and Alfred Molina get trapped inside of a vase that has magical properties to contain someone for 10 years. The kid is like, oh, my God, this is crazy, runs out of the store. All his classmates and his teacher are there. He's like, oh, don't go in there. It's full of fire and crazy magicians. She walks I think it's in. weird that they were all right outside the door because he, like, runs for a couple of blocks. Co- yeah. I, they shouldn't have been able to find him unless well, maybe they put a tracking They were going to have lunch at the Havana Cabana or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was. Arcana. The Havana, <laughs> the Havana Arcana Banana. It's the Cabana District. And a banana. Lower Manhattan's Cabana District. <laughs> <laughs> so many cabanas down there. <laughs> and, uh... They were trying to go to one of the non-magical cabanas. Yes. But they took a wrong turn. All booked up. Took a wrong turn at Cabana Kirky. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're Thanks for setting the bar low on the podcast, Joe. Consider it an early birthday present. <laughs> it was like genuinely awful. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, he it turns out there's no fighting inside, no fire. He looks like a, do- a doof, and he spilled a vase full of water on himself, so it looks like he wet himself. Everybody laughs. Mm-hmm. You're going into so much detail for this movie. Well, because I'm gonna I'm gonna be general coming up. Okay. Ten years later, that kid is now what's his name? Jay Baruch- Jay Baruchel. Jay Baruchel, he of the irritating voice, mm-hmm. and he's in college at NYU, my alma mater, and. He's working on Tesla coils. He's a physicist. He bumps into the girl that he had a crush on when he was eight years old. Because, you know, I mean, like, we're all either married or, you know, Stuart's engaged. Obviously, we're all uh, with the woman that we had a crush on when we were – In elementary school. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it works. Yeah. Yeah, Here's the way it works. I don't even remember who I had a crush on in (laughs) elementary school. If I met her, it's not like I'd be like, oh, my God, I used to have such a crush on you. I would literally not remember who she was probably. Yeah. I mean, Stuart's different. He's a Casanova, so. Yeah. I I don't really remember anything past a couple of days ago, actually. <laughs> uh, but basically, all the things you think are going to happen, happen. Nicolas Cage and Alfred Molina get out of that vase because it's ten years later. Alfred Molina's on the loose trying to get the doll that has his girlfriend in it, Morgan Le Fay. Nicolas Cage finds Jay Baruchel and teaches him how to be a sorcerer. And there's the... it. So closely follows the three-act structure of, like, the hero rejects his promise, then he accepts his promise, then there's a setback, and then he doubts himself, and then he proves himself. The yeah. end. And, you know, it. there's a lot more that I could go into, but it's kind of – it's basically <clears> – you can imagine this movie in your head, basically. Here's one thing that, like, uh, off the top of my head from what you just – Oh, and also he charms the girl by setting his Tesla coils to play the song – Using electric electrical impulse that she played on her NYU radio show. <laughs> yes, was that uh, what you were going to say? No, I was going to say that was his favorite part. I think. I, yeah, and there's a giant steel. He one cool part is Nicolas Cage turns one of the gargoyles at the Chrysler Building into a giant steel bird that he can ride around. No, what that I was looks like say, the cover of the Screaming for Vengeance album. It yeah. seems like um, from Judas Priest. When you hear this concept, thanks for clarifying. Currently you, on their farewell tour. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> for God's sake! I'm going to punch you in the ear. Okay. Um, no. Uh, like when, based on what Elliot says, like the listener at home is thinking, "Oh, I know what the conflict in this movie is, or not the the conflict, but like one of the hooks in the movie is going to be, oh, Nicolas Cage should have been spending the last fifteen years training this kid to to you know like be the best wizard in the world so he can you know, take down Morgan Le Fay when she comes back, and that's going to be a big problem. Like, oh, he's lost so much time. No." You know, Nicolas Cage apparently is able to teach him magic in basically an afternoon, and <laughs> then everything's fine. It's like if... There's the, a fair... Yeah, there's no real sense of... Uh, there's barely even a training montage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if the scene in Star Wars where Luke had the blast shields down on his helmet, mm-hmm. and that little ball kept zapping him with lasers, if he went like, ah, ah, I can't do this, cut away to the Empire doing something, mm-hmm. cut back, it's Luke from Return of the Jedi in yeah. his black outfit with his own <laughs> lightsaber that he made. They wrote Yoda out. <laughs> Except it's like Jay Baruchel is sometimes really good at magic and sometimes really bad as the plot needs him to be. And then at the end as he's – his confidence needs him to be. Oh, God. <laughs> you're right actually. <laughs> because it's your ability at magic is directly related to how confident you are. Mm-hmm. You just got to believe in yourself. It's just like being a Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean he does have a magic ring. Doesn't the Green Lantern have one of those? That's true, yeah. So, parallels. <laughs> uh, and it's the kind of movie where there are two sorcerers, so they have a car chase. <laughs> yeah. We have seen one of the characters riding a giant steel bird, so 
Let's have them ride cars around. Let's and and when they decide that oh wait, like we need to up the ante in this car chase, they simply make their cars into faster, nicer cars. <laughs> <laughs> Not like turning your car into like a flying dinosaur monster. It's no, they do briefly go into a mirror world, which where the Yahoo like sign in Times Square is backwards. Yeah, wait, wait they- what? <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland in the movie Mirrors. At the end of the movie, he goes into a mirror world. What? I, what are you talking about? No, no, he get, you, he gets trapped in the mirror world. For real? Yeah. That's Just get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> that was a classic Flophouse callback. But they do good. That they was are, for you, Ellie. By the way, that I appreciated that. Then they go into uh, uh, into the mirror world, but they escape very easily. That's one of two mirror like magic gags that yeah. are done are shot completely wrong. Like, shot in such a way that you don't really realize that they're in a mirror and not in the real world. Right. Yeah. There's a scene earlier where Alfred Molina – Nicolas Cage traps him in a bathroom mirror and he tells – he gives – he's trying to get out so he talks to someone, just a regular passerby who is in the bathroom. And it's not shot so that you – like, the way it's shot, you don't get the effect of Alfred Molina not being in the room that is reflected in the mirror. Yeah, like the, the gag should be like, oh, Alfred Molina's only on one side of the mirror while this other guy is on both sides like you are when you're standing in front of a mirror. And uh, yeah, it shot like full frame on this mirror. We really got this get, get this whole mirror in the, <laughs> in the shot. So people know where Alfred Molina is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alfred Molina, who also, by the way, is uh, he's dressed all through the movie in like a fur coat and uh, with a cane, which I guess is supposed to be like, you know, like the last cane. time he was out in the world was uh, like the twenties, yeah, the and 20s. then he was trapped in this uh, this this nesting doll or whatever. I I think that's kind of what that's the to assumption. Be. I think, but uh, he just looks sort of like a pimp. He looks like oh, a, see, I thought he was like he was like a comical Russian in a thirties movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Could be that. Uh, it's a. Fi- this is I, thought, a- I mean, I think he looks like a good bad guy, like a bad wizard. Yeah, and he's and he doesn't do bad in it. He and Nicolas Cage, at when they're trying, they bring a lot to their characters, which I mean, is good because they have no character. Yeah, they lives. don't have a. If it wasn't for that, like their performances, their characters would be even more forgettable than. What yeah. They are. No, it, it feels like there's a screenplay where they're like, "Huh, there are no characters in this screenplay. Let's get a couple of wacky actors. Who do we have on our uh, on our wacky actor roller decks who can really uh, Wackers. <laughs> who can really whack this up? <laughs> I mean they're pretty good wacky. The thing is they do the one there are a couple of things I actually liked about this movie, and one of them is that it's set in New York and it looks like New York. They shot a lot of the exteriors in New York it looked like, or at least if they green screened them in, they used real exteriors and like there's a scene in Chinatown, so they do like a Chinese dragon parade scene where it turns into a real dragon. Mm-hmm. And they're at NYU, and like they have an NYU radio station, which NYU actually has, but not in the building that they show it in. Or and like uh, you know, the bird from the Chrysler Building becomes his bird at the end. Nicholas Cage is being attacked by the by the Wall Street Bull statue that's chasing him. Like they do a good job of actually making use of the city the movie is set in, as opposed to kinda just like, like well, kind of like the, what the Spider-Man movies. Or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or uh, or like Rumble in the Bronx. It really gives you a real flavor of New York. Really a real sense of New York. Those snow-capped mountains in the background right over the Bronx. Uh, New York golf courses and (laughs) all the the gangs of multi-ethnic gangs riding around in dune buggies in the streets. I love that 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 was very obviously not called Rumble in the Bronx when it was released in China. It must have been something, but like that they were like, the Bronx sounds like a tough place. Yeah. Or maybe it was called that in China and they just didn't care, you know. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's what their perception of the Bronx is, is... 
this <laughs> this hellscape of gang violence and mountains. Yeah, beautiful mountains. But uh, there, I mean, but there are a lot of movies that this is a fairly generic movie in a lot of ways. But at least they make use of the setting in ways that I liked. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, also they it, not not entirely in that. The kid Jay Baruchel's character is obviously from the New York area since he was there as a kid, but at one point Soda gets knocked over and he goes, "Ah, oh, there's pop all over the floor." No New Yorker says pop. Yeah. No yeah. one in this part of the country says pop. We say soda. Good job, Sorcerer's Apprentice. <laughs> L- <laughs> Way to get that wrong. Luckily, the average viewer will be immediately distracted by the bulldog urinating <laughs> on things right afterwards. I forgot that was in that scene. Next, Jay yeah, Baruchel is going to say he's got to get in line for something. Am I right, guys? You, we say waiting online in this city. Mm-hmm. But it's I, if Jay, Bar- I, there's, Jay Baruchel also has a pet bulldog who appears and disappears throughout the film. Basically as if like the continuity girl just didn't want to bother with remembering if the bulldog was in a scene or not. Maybe it's magic. Ooh. Never thought about mm, that. Possible. Maybe it's a wizard. Sure, probably. <laughs> I mean, well, they're probably saving that for the sequel. Yeah, yeah. wizard dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Sorcerer's Apprentice too. Wizard, Secret dog. Of wizard the Lost dog. Lamp. <laughs> it's like how in that uh, that Superman movie they had a baby Superman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Superman Returns. You mean? Yeah, yeah. He's the, not a baby. He's like six years old. I mean, he's for five he's years like old. A baby Superman, though. right? That's the movie where <laughs> Superman's been away for five years. The kid is about five years old, and Lois Lane's fiance thinks it's his kid. So did she have sex with him and Superman on the same night? Probably. <laughs> same time, actually. And Kate Bosworth is only like 23. So how five years ago she would have been in college. Mm-hmm. Well, that says a lot about Superman. It does, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's... And, anywho, Sorcerer's Apprentice. So, he, likes, um, he likes co-eds with two different color eyes. What yeah. Saying. We call them codes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, missed opportunities. Um, so Alfred Molina has a has like a villainous henchman that is like a Chris Angel type. Yeah, right. Drake like Stone. He's gonna freak your mind. Yeah, his name yeah. is Drake Stone. It's gonna freak it good. Similar, um, but think, he's yet another like character that has no defining traits other than his the defining idea. trait is basically he's, that he's hair. English. He's English <laughs> yeah. and he has and he has spiky hair and that's about it. But. but I mean, for a movie that is a movie that's already too long and stuffed with too much garbage, they seem to make no effort to actually like they're they're stuffing it full of all these ideas, but don't actually feel like defining any of them. Yeah, they don't need to pay any of them off. Like there's yeah. they they have a they have a lot of clever ideas in this movie, and then they just feel like okay, well, I came up with a clever idea. That's all the work I need to do on that. Yeah, like the other other idea. They, I mean, this, save some for the sequel. You know what I mean, guys? Sorcerer Printers Two, Wizard Dog. Yeah. <laughs> the uh. They have in there other stacking dolls that have other bad wizards trapped in them that Nicolas Cage has tra- trapped throughout the years. Really, there are only two other ones. But, like, that's a neat idea that there are these other wizards from other time periods that they'll also have to fight. And that but, he, like, that the idea that he has to trap them to me makes it more interesting that, like, he didn't, he couldn't kill them. They're too he powerful chose to not kill. To, yeah. That's more interesting than just, like, well, than what they do with it. Which is that those wizards will appear, maybe fight. One of them fights them, and the other one doesn't, and then it just gets killed. The first one is like a Chinese wizard from centuries ago, which means that he just looks like a stereotypical kind of like Chinese martial arts figure. Yeah. And then the second one is – I think it's – she's supposed to be probably like a Salem witch era witch. She's dressed like yeah. a pilgrim. And all she does is trick the girlfriend of Jay Baruchel and then – they're not girlfriend boyfriend yet. Though. They're not girlfriend. Bo- Check the mo- romantic interest, and then Alfred Molina kills her, kills the pilgrim to steal her life energy. 
Yeah, yeah and all and she that's does it. Like, like she's not she's barely in it. Yeah, she shows up. She kind of shows up to be like almost uh, a character in a Japanese horror film. Like, oh, here's like a creepy young sallow faced child, and I'm just going to stand here for a moment and creep yeah. you out, and then she's gone. Goodbye. Yeah. There's I, I didn't mention yep. I didn't <laughs> see you later. See you later. So long. I'm, uh, I'm gonna leave. I guess. <laughs> Is this? Do you guys need me? Because oh. if you don't, I'm gonna. I'll be down at the uh, Arcana Cabana. I'll toss down a few margaritas. Uh... <laughs> toss down a few magic margaritas <laughs> and sorcerers on the beach. I'll just have a couple of those. Before six, uh, the magic margaritas are only four bucks. So. <laughs> Four magic bucks. It's a little different than normal bucks. I think I'll have a hair of the spell that cast me, mm-hmm. and so forth. Wizard drinking jokes. <laughs> uh, but there's I, there's also the subplot where Jay Baruchel's girlfriend to be. Spoiler alert: they they make sure. they become boyfriend girlfriend at the end. Yeah, uh, she checks checks the girlfriend box. Yeah, she's afraid of heights. Oh. But okay. he so needs, that's a character trait. It is kind of not really. But then <laughs> at the end, it's definitely something that needs to be overcome. Okay. In the big climax, Alfred Molina has set up all the satellite dishes in the city somehow. That so that, that uh, when magic magic so that when Morgan Le Fay arrives, that he's trying to create a spell called the Rising that will make all the evil dead wizards come back to life. Mm-hmm. I guess so they can kill him again. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, so they can be part of Morgan Le Fay's army of evil. Okay, army of darkness, if you will. Yeah, a, they are an evil dead, if you will. <laughs> okay. The, uh, they are uh, for the love of the game, if you will. <laughs> Just sure. Sam Raimi movies. You're making... They're quick and the dead. <laughs> They're a They're... real gift. I can't. Spider Man too. I can't contribute because <laughs> while you were busy making Sam Raimi jokes, I was trying to make an E Street Band joke. A dark man. I couldn't come sure. Up one, That's so. true. Also, I did keep thinking of the Bruce Springsteen album, The Rising. Yeah, but uh, but only because I guess. Uh, it used to play over and over again when I worked at Barnes Noble. So sure, I've just got it stuck in my head. That's a that's a bit of an Elliot past tidbit. Factoid. <laughs> Elliot worked at a Barnes Noble, which is now a Trader Joe's. <laughs> um, but she is afraid of heights, so. Alfred Molina has set up all the satellite dishes that when Morgan Le Fay arises, she will cast this big spell that will bounce off the satellite dishes mm-hmm. and then all over the world to bring back the evil magicians, wizards. And so Jay Baruchel is driving down to the big confrontation between him and uh, – between Nicolas Cage and Alfred Molina. For some reason, I don't remember why he's got one of his Tesla coils on the car. Did that, does he ever use uh, that? Uh, yeah. It has something to do with uh, – I don't fucking know. He used it to, he used it to shoot a, like a lightning bolt at Alfred Molina and knock oh, okay. his cane away or something. <laughs> yeah. My cane! Okay, because this, this all ties in – like this and the satellite dishes all tie into the same bullshit, which is like earlier in the movie when uh, Jay Baruchel is like, so is magic uh, science or is it – He goes, uh, is, so is this magic or science? And Nicolas Cage goes, yes and yes, <laughs> yeah. which is hilariously <laughs> not the answer he's looking for. He's looking for either the word magic or the word science or the word both. <laughs> yeah. But you're uh, right. They kind of bullshit an, an explanation of science and magic being the same thing because it's all about moving molecules around. Right. But, I mean, all mm-hmm. they just do is, like, move their hands around and light shoots out of them. Yeah. Like, and it's it not also, like he's actually doing science. And it See, also doesn't a explain. A wizard's hands are his Tesla coils. Oh. His testicles? 
Yeah. Wait, that's so weird. Suddenly the song movement yeah, changes. Yeah, changes so, how wait, I look were they like movie. shooting? Well, realize Shea Baruchel has already impregnated his uh, girlfriend. But was he like and Alfred Molina? Were they blessing each other with sperm? Yeah. <laughs> like what? Is, I thought it was just light bulbs. Electro sperm. Mm-hmm. Oh my! The, my superhero porn movie. <laughs> That's why uh, did, did you realize, that's why this movie got a hard X. <laughs> I don't know if you realize. Oh, not a soft X. A hard X. Well, not one of those single X. The, the, the triple X's. Oh, okay. This is that they're the handing out. That's not a real rating. <laughs> I, I like the idea that there are like multiple X's. He's like, like, oh, why would we go for the single X if we could get one of these triple X's? The... Uh, well, because you're going to watch it with your parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Single X means it's okay for grandma. <laughs> this, is, yeah, this is a porno you can take home to mom. Uh, so anyway, they've got, the, they've got to stop these satellite dishes to stop this spell. And Jay Baruchel gives his girlfriend-to-be maybe the hardest job, which is well, – the says, most important he job. He goes, go to the top of that building. I know if you fear heights. I need you to go to the top of that building and move the satellite dish over. This entails her climbing up like – a rickety metal lattice on, on not, the roof of a building and kicking a satellite dish with her foot. Yeah, but I would also like I would not know how to begin to just get on top of like this a movie, random skyscraper. Like she has to like figure out which skyscraper has the I satellite dish. I, yeah. I, I assumed it was the, get past get past get the dormant. I assumed yeah. it was the NYU radio building. That's why he had her do it. Oh, maybe, maybe, but they didn't. They didn't make it clear that that was the building. Well. I'm, and also, NYU's t- radio tower, unless they've changed it recently, is not located on the main campus. Well, magic doesn't exist either, dude. So. <laughs> Checkmate. Check gotcha. and mate. Gotcha. Just keeping you honest, Elliot. You just got flopped. <laughs> uh, but it's a like classic Stewart. It's like I'm going to drive my car down to there and shoot some magic bolts at somebody. I'm going to do you... some magic bullshit. Can you do something that will actually help us? <laughs> Can you do something that will save the day and may kill you? <laughs> Because I know you have no magic powers whatsoever. Sure, I could magic up a metal bird to fly me to the top of that building and just knock the satellite dish over. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, she gonna, had the most useful job. I'm going to knock Alfred Molina's cane out of his hands. <laughs> then we'll see where it goes from there. I kind of need to knock a cane out of a middle-aged man's hands. <laughs> That's how I somehow attach this giant Tesla coil to the front of the car without destabilizing so the it. the car somewhere. had a big testicle on it, too? <laughs> yeah. It's a movie. Harry Tesco. I can't believe oh, no. Disney put this movie put out. The car. Just a big ball. Where is it? And then at the end of the movie, they have this giant metal bird that they just keep forgetting is in the movie. Yeah. Until just it's important. At the, until they can use it. At the, but it's one of those things where it's like – it's like there happens in a lot of movies where there's a special skill or a special weapon and they wait until the last moment to use it when really if they used it at the first moment, it would have saved the whole day and stopped the whole problem. But uh, they at the end, he says to his girlfriend, his new girlfriend, "Hey, want to go have breakfast with me in Paris?" And then the giant bird rides uh, lands. And he goes, "I got us a ride." And it ends with them getting on the giant bird and flying off. I guess in the freezing cold of the upper atmosphere for like ten hours to Paris. Yeah, yeah that's the longest fucking ride <laughs> in the world. They're gonna die. You know, they're gonna run out of things to talk about. Like forty-five minutes in. Yeah, they'll get to Paris and not be boyfriend girlfriend anymore. I mean, you know how how kids are nowadays. They're with the texting, with all, and the, yeah, all the internets <laughs> and the Facebooks, yeah, mm-hmm. the tweets. Sure, no, the that's Twitter good, tweets. Dan. That's good. Yeah, yeah. that's contributing. <laughs> so, 
So this is your this is like a so, like a generic adventure movie, basically. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say this is a solid C minus. <laughs> <laughs> this this falls, is a hard X. <laughs> this falls into the same categories like a, like a Prince of Persia or a Jumper. We did I think Jumper, I right? didn't. I wasn't here for Jumper. I think this was better than Prince of Persia. Even though it felt long, it was like well over a half Alfred hour Molina's shorter. Alfred Molina's performance was not as good well, as that's, it was. That's true. Alfred Molina was better in Prince of Persia, but I feel like this had more clever things going on in it. Well, we have Prince a lot of, of listener mail, so let's make it official and just go on to our final judgments. Final judgments. Was, was, this, was this a because good, bad we're movie? mail based podcast now. <laughs> yeah. Bad, is, bad that, that's the Flophouse, the podcast that you listen to because we read mail. <laughs> You'll change your tune when you hear some of this great mail I got. <laughs> so is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked? Elliot, why don't you take it? This may be a controversial judgment. Okay. But I actually kind of liked this movie. I didn't think it was that good, but I had enough interesting stuff in it that I enjoyed most of it. It really slowed down in the middle, and yeah. the ending was really generic. I kind of felt like it wasn't as good as the recent Sherlock Holmes movie, but mm-hmm. like how the recent Sherlock Holmes movie started off – on a pretty good footing and then just kind of boring at the end. This wasn't as good as that, but I felt kind of like that. That, like, the first 45 minutes of it are kind of dumb, but I enjoyed them. And then the second half wasn't terrible, you know? Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I, I, this was directed by John uh, Turtletaub, and uh, him and Nicolas Cage, uh, you know, like, they're... Their previous collaborations... Chemistry. ...have been the... Ignites uh, the screen. Yeah, the National like, Treasure films. Okay. Which, yeah, they're like Scorsese and De Niro. And the National Treasure films are stupid movies that I genuinely enjoy. Like, th- those movies I feel like really like commit. Stuart Gordon and Jeffrey Cove. <laughs> those movies really commit to, like, just being really silly. Like Russ Meyer and <laughs> Girls with Big Boobs. <laughs> like, let's take American history and silly it up as much as we can. And, yeah. like, this movie doesn't quite commit to the same level of just yeah, goofiness. It, it kind of holds itself back a little too much. But uh, but I agree. Like the first forty five minutes, I sort of enjoyed, and then it then it slows down. But uh, it's kind of between a movie I kind of liked and a movie that's that's just bad. This is the type of movie that if you are on a plane and want to kill some time, this is not a bad movie to watch. Yeah, I'd say that. That's, that's um, fair. It's not a bad movie to watch if you want to watch something that's dumb and has some adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're sick and this is on TV, this is a fine thing. If to watch. there are yeah. no single X films to watch with your family, sure, you could watch this with your family. <laughs> yeah, it's as long as they're ages. as long as they're comfortable with the testicle hands you were talking <laughs> sure. about. I mean, in this world we live in, where almost any movie is instantly readily available to you to watch, there's no reason to watch this movie. As this was this was on Netflix watch instantly, so. but it's not. But I would say it wasn't bad. Yeah, I would I would have given it like a B minus. No, that's too good. C plus. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. C plus. You, you uh, heard it. We instituted a grading system. No, 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 no. Two and a half wormy keep... boners. <laughs> <laughs> this is a two and a half star movie. I'll give it that. I'll give we it have to keep one to our, thumb to the side. Our really vague ways of defining things. That's that's a flop. Except favorite. when it's a holiday, and then suddenly you've got shitty themes. Is it spookily scary or ghostly good or pumpkiny bad? Terrible! This is terrible. Spookily good, bad, (laughs) or ghoulishly okay. (laughs) Um. So this is from Sean. Last name without. We're we're, we're moving (laughs) now to the public affairs portion (laughs) of the podcast. I should make it clear. We're moving into letters now. Um. 
This is from Sean, Last Time Withheld. It says, Hey guys, I'm wondering if any of you guys have stumbled upon one of the Flophouse movies somehow, like on cable, and actually liked it. Like, did Stuart somehow see 10,000 BC on Epic 7 and quite enjoy the serenity of two hours of nothing happening? Or did Elliot find himself amongst a group of juggalos and find himself laughing hysterically at big money wrestlers? Also, I was listening to the American Carol episode again, and Dan was talking about how badly stage production turned into movies turn out. What did you think of Vanya on 42nd Street? And... Ooh, checkmate. P.S. Do you plan on internet suing Paul Shearer and his podcast, How Did This Get Made?, for basically taking your exact format. There's so many questions here, guys. Well, I think we're going to have to take them in order. So many the questions. first the answer to the first question for me is no. No, I've I have never uh I've never changed my opinion on either. I you know what? I found myself um watching uh you know like 10 or 15 minute stretches of Sorority Row if I catch it on television. <laughs> but I think I kind of like that movie. That was the a time, fun one, so. yeah. Girl gets chokes to death on a bottle. Sure. Uh, I haven't gotten to watch that one yet. Oh, oh man. I wasn't there for that one. Oh, that's right. Um, I, I end up running into movies we do on the flop house all the time because when uh, my fiance is home alone and left to her own devices, Burglars try to break Yeah, in. she has a tendency to watch. Uh, and when she runs out of whatever TV show she likes to watch, she'll end up watching these terrible fucking movies. And like, I came home yesterday and she was watching Valentine's Day, and I was like, "No, stop!" <laughs> <laughs> you leapt in front of the TV <laughs> to catch the, the the beams. But nope, they didn't help. Um, I avoid the movie once we've seen them here. Like, I rewatch movies all the time, and but once we see them in Flophouse, I, I've never felt the interest to go back and watch any of them. Yeah, I agree. Except Brats. So Brad's, um, which I have on constant play in my head. Stage productions have turned into movies. Yeah, I don't, you know, like, <laughs> yes. stage productions turned into movies. It's not necessarily a hard and fast There role. are lots of good stage productions turned into movies. Dodsworth, mm-hmm. Counselor of Law. Those these, are two from the 30s. These are listing movies that you did for your screening series. But they're based on plays. They're I feel really like good. this is a plug for your screening series at 92 Wide Rebecca. This is a subject scene. I can literally not uh, add anything to. Uh, no, I think that the thing is either... Either a movie has to find a really organic way to uh, o- to open. <laughs> Thank you, Stuart, for that contribution as you walk away from your microphone. Uh, either the, either the movie uh, needs to find a really organic way to open up the play and and make it into a full film, or it has to embrace the fact that it's a film play in some way. It's these movies that kind of like come up with. The most perfunctory ways, I feel like, of opening up yeah. a stage production that are well, like, unsuccessful. A good example, I would say, for instance, is Glengarry Glen Ross, which added the entire scene with Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. to make it help make it into a movie, and it was a huge improvement, and it's a really good movie. Now, lastly, how did this get made? Now, let's 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 put this to bed for the at, at first. Uh, let's. I'll put it to bed. Shh, shh. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. I think that's the worst one yet. <laughs> You oh, I've got joke. worse. I've got worse coming up. <laughs> Is that worse than me saying that uh, he was in a nutshell last night? Oh, show? that was awful. No, uh, how did this get made? Um, it's not like we were uh, we came up with the idea of making fun of bad movies, first of all. Yeah, that's true. We stole it from the best. Uh, ourselves. Number two, <laughs> uh, Mr. Paul Shear is a very sweet man. He was an old uh, improv coach of mine. I remember him being very nice. Uh, great coach. Uh, good guy. He's a funny guy. That said, I do resent a little <laughs> that bit. That said, fuck him. <laughs> no, <laughs> Go to hell. It is. But even sweet guys are assholes that steal stuff sometimes. 
No, I don't. I don't. I don't resent them for. I mean, it's not like uh, it's not like you can. And I don't think they had any idea our podcast yeah, existed. They didn't, they, they, I I do I do feel a little sad that we've been doing this for um, over three years over now. a decade. And yeah. uh, you know, you, you get some uh, some semi celebrities coming along, and they put they they put a podcast up and immediately have three hundred five star reviews on iTunes. Um, well, I mean, if you have someone who's in a TV show, that's sure. And also, he has a big product customer base from his uh, nightwear store, Sheer Nighties. <laughs> sure, <laughs> the most transparent nighties in town. But uh, you know, of course, <laughs> if you can't see through it, it's not Sheer. <laughs> <laughs> you can see through them as easily as you can see through the gap in my front teeth. Wow, Sheer Nighties. Wow, made it personal. Wow, not cool. Not cool at all. I just went on. I, I just remember who Paul Sheer was. <laughs> Well, I said no offense, guys. He's a nice guy. I, I like him he a said lot. he was moving cool. along. No, uh, you know how you can help us with that is uh, if you, all you listeners, go and review us on iTunes. Maybe we can. Uh, yeah, help spread the word about the Flop House, and then do that. Give us you, some reviews on iTunes. You can be tweet about us, yeah. blog about us. You, if you have a television show on a major network, mention us. You can be the cool. Alternative bad movie podcast listeners, mm. how did this get Text made? Your friend can be like the Nickelback <laughs> of a bad movie podcast. Now what would we be if, in that in that analogy? That Three doors down. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> that's not, not any good. That's no, worse. It's terrible. Why would you? Citizen Soldier, right, that, guys? Yeah, that's their song. <laughs> okay. Stop so, before a movie. Uh, this uh, <laughs> this is from Andrew. Last name with hell, and it's 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 big family. It's called donations. More like. Don't Asians. Whoa, I don't like the way this is going. Wow. And it says, Dear Flophouse Kings, while listening to the latest <laughs> podcast, I must say I grew incensed at the mention of donations, and not the good incensed where you burn smell sticks, but the bad one where you black out with rage and wake up at your aunt's house. Now, I don't know what Dan's job is. Probably carpet salesman. He wishes. Nor what Stuart's job is. Probably Asian manicures. He wishes. It's- Actually, shockingly close. <laughs> but I do know what Elliot's job is. Lead anchor for The Daily Show. Not quite true. Every day I turn on my television to the Comedy Network, and I see Elliot's face shining back at me. <laughs> the Comedy Network. <laughs> delivering the day's news in a comical fashion, much like Mad Magazine, but with less blacks. <laughs> to have a humor news anchor like Elliot on the podcast and still ask for donations from bags of shit like myself is audacious beyond limits. Even those limits, even if those limits are very large, like the limits of Utaro... Utaro Oh, what? Uatu the Watcher's site, sorry. Or maybe the limits of a large rock. I know for a fact from the website moneysnatchers.com that Elliot makes over $30 per annum, which, after corrected for inflation, is equal to 300 fun bucks at participating showbiz pizza places. If that is not enough to fund your podcast, I can't imagine what your overhead must be, unless Elliot charges for his appearances. Yes. Which, in that case, please find and close my PayPal password. Anyway, in closing... Please help me buy the rights to the Showbiz Pizza franchise so I can make my film about the Rockfire Explosion, which will be a gritty, Cassafetes-like drama. Gina Rollins is attached. If she's already attached, then... Sincerely, C. Everett Coop, former Surgeon General and current Puss Hound. So uh, that's from Andrew, last name withheld. He makes All some right. good salient points. So strange, it's rare when you see an email written out of cutout magazine letters. <laughs> I, uh, I will have him know that I contribute no money to this podcast, and Dan makes very little, as he sells pencils on the street and has to pretend he's blind. I don't even contribute jokes or uh, <laughs> Or sometimes anything. yourself. You barely yeah. contribute your attention. <laughs> to be honest, yes. 
Um, I'm like Richie Rich where he would hang out with his poor friends and never help them <laughs> or even buy them clothes without holes in them. The only time – like they would come over to his house and then get into fucking irritating adventures. Like, Yeah. That would end with them still poor. So yeah. irritating about their adventures. But they would go on – like imagine be- going over to your super rich friend's house and only bad things seem to happen. <laughs> well, I hope Like you that- get lost and you don't get to like, – I don't know. <laughs> well, I hope that answers your question, Andrew. And uh, that reminds me to uh, thank you. Uh, thank our uh, donators. Donors. Donors. That's what they're called. Yeah. Donuts. Thanks. Thank our donuts. <laughs> thank our Flophouse Donuts. Uh, our Hertz Donuts. Alex T., Jen mm. M., and Brian S. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. We thank, appreciate it. Thank you, Donuts, for frosting the Flophouse. Deliciously. Thanks to listeners like you, shows like The Flop House and Are You Being Served continue to stay on the air. <laughs> and no, thanks, no, don't say that. And thanks, They're going to stop donating. Thanks to a grant by the Annenberg Foundation. <laughs> but seriously, the thank Chubb you. The Chubb Group. That's something, right? The Chubb Group? Well, it's a group of guys who, you know, <laughs> not all the way. <laughs> I don't know why they donate to, to PBS shows. Stuart is so mad at me. <laughs> I think you're just doing this to vex me tonight. Stuart Vexington. You do look vexed. So uh, this is titled The Contest Ruiner. <laughs> it's one line. It's from John Last Name Withheld. And it says... I thought you were about to say John Lasseter. <laughs> it's from Pixar. Pixar's John Lasseter is wondering... He says, just wondering why the contest ruiner sounds so much like seven pounds. <laughs> so. How many different voices do you think Batman villains have? It's a salient point. I'm the penguin. Well, it's the Joker. That's me. Now I'm Mambat and also Firebug. Killer Croc coming through. It's Bane here. Poison Ivy. I'm a girl. The only one that sounds different is Clayface, and it sounds like the same thing, but with peanut butter in his mouth. Yeah, and and he he sounds like Michael Caine a little bit. Mm. <laughs> so uh, he uh, he totally dropped the ball in that setup, by the way. Yeah, come on. This one <laughs> really devoted to the letters. Sorry, this one says uh, I I was so entranced by the uh, you couldn't do your Michael Caine impression, is what you're saying. Well, I was I was distracted by the title of the next email, which, which is, is "Don't do your Michael Caine impression." <laughs> Michael, last name withheld. <laughs> I heard you were making fun of me on your podcast, and I didn't appreciate it. I starred in the Cider House Rules, <laughs> and Alfie, the original. Don't understand. Is that mode of speaking is copyrighted by me, Michael Caine, star of California Sweet. <laughs> No, the uh, title of the next email is You Are All Hilarious, comma, Even Dan. Oh. <laughs> Backhanded compliment. Uh, I mean, he said you're, he said you're hilarious. Yeah. Well, tell us what the letter says, won't you? Well, he says, uh, a couple of weeks ago, my best friend was telling me about this great podcast he just started listening to. And he Called paid- How'd It Get Made. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he played Elliot's pitch for the Ziggy movie to seal the deal. Oh, nice. I went home that night and went straight to your website. And First now taste is free. And was forever disappointed. <laughs> now he says, you guys do the best and funniest show I've ever heard on any kind of radio, internet, conventional, or satellite. Wow. 
Well, there's some old. Uh, you should really listen to some old. There's some great Bob and Ray stuff. The Goon Show. Mm-hmm. What uh, about what about those Car Talk guys? They they can be funny at times. Yeah, uh, Firesign Theater. Yeah, you bet your life. With Crouch and Marks was a great uh, classic radio show. Yeah, no soap radio. Let's get back to the letter. Okay, Jack Benny, Fred Allen. Uh, well, he says one thing that I've but noticed thank you. is that while you've seen a lot of bad, bad movies and few good, bad movies, you haven't run into many movies you actually like. Well, oh. the last two times we saw, but anyway. What was last, what? What was last week? Last week Oh, Night and Day, yeah. Day. Yeah, we, that was all right, yeah. Uh, makes sense, I Not guess, goofy. since likable bad <laughs> movies are awfully rare. By the way, Elliot. Uh, how did you manage to dodge out of watching Gooby with us? By after the way, I read, after I heard that some episode, mis- I really mis- wanted to see it. <laughs> some mysterious circumstances surrounding your disappearance. Some mysterious that, uh, circumstances that involve my wife wanting me to be home some nights. <laughs> A mysterious affair at Styles. Anyway, Agatha Christie, everyone. Continue, no, please. Sure. Uh, makes sense, I guess, since likable bad movies are awfully rare. In college, we called them Turk movies, after the cinema classic Turk 182. Hmm. A somewhat disturbing number of people agreed that Turk 182 was a movie they could not honestly say is good, but they would always watch and enjoy it whenever it came on TV. Personally, while I do kind of like Turk 182, I'll always sit down for Streets of Fire, in which music gets played, Rick Moranis gets punched in the nose, and Willem Dafoe gets into a sledgehammer fight, and The Replacement Killers. Yeah, and Diane Lane uh, sings a lot in that movie. Uh, I mean in Streets of Fire. He's asking what our Turk movies might be. Movies that uh, we hmm. don't honestly think are that great. I would say still... uh, The Rocketeer, mm. which is a very flawed movie. that re- I watched it again recently, and it really doesn't work, but I did enjoy it a lot. Uh, I'm scanning my own, uh, my own DVD shelf as we speak, and I have to admit that uh, The Monster Squad probably isn't that good a movie. <laughs> Uh, on an objective scale, it's probably but, fair. Uh, I do enjoy it. Science can't prove that it's good. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like every every movie I recommend is a movie that I genuinely like. I can't say that the story of Ricky is going to, <laughs> is like a great movie, but I can't help but watch it. I don't. I don't like things that are actually good. I think. No. Yeah, you prefer bad things. Yeah. Yeah. You prefer to inflict pain on yourself, food, bad things. Yeah. You don't care for this, the finer things in life. No. Okay. Well, this is a... We, Sad. Yeah. This is the last uh, email for uh, this episode. But not forever, right? No, we, we, we this was not even the, the... the We've got a backlog. From, yeah, uh, keep them coming, listeners. Yeah. From when... From when uh, we we love to hear together. from you. Flophouse so. Mailbag. Let's dive in, shall we? But this is the last email for <laughs> now. Mailbag. <laughs> Good lead on that one. And it's called A Wonderful Dream. I saved my intro to the last letter. Oh, yeah, Wonderful Dream. A Wonderful Dream from Matt. Matt Carmen, middle name withheld. <laughs> Wait, A Wonderful Dream. This isn't that slash fan fiction that that guy wrote, is it? <laughs> oh, God. It says, <laughs> it's not A Wonderful Dream. Dear the Flophouse. It's too erotic. <laughs> I recently watched the bucket list for the seventh time and began thinking of my own list of things to see before I die. Luckily, that list is one item long. I, before my hands, teeth, and genitals shrivel and fall away, would like to see the Flophouse perform live. Of course, the details would be up to you, but wouldn't it be great to see Dan McCoy, Stuart Wellington, and Elliot Kalen banter Not back and forth? necessarily in that order. <laughs> banter back and forth live during a screening of the oft-mentioned Twin Sitters? Starring I, the Barbarian Brothers? I can foresee my soul slipping into oblivion within the next few months. So Thursday, June 30th, would be a perfect night. 
It could even take place at 92 Y Tribeca at 200 Hudson Street in Manhattan, the same place where Elliot hosts his monthly series of great old films. As seen in The New Yorker. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but I have other loves besides the Flophouse, so maybe the evening could include a slideshow presentation and trivia round, including prizes by Matt Carmen and Ksenia Yarish of I Love Bad Movies. Yarosh. Yarosh. The intelligent and hilarious bi-yearly publication to which you gentlemen are frequent contributors. Anyway, this is probably just some unlikely fever dream, but it would sure ease my fear of imminent death. Keep flopping in the free world. <laughs> now, uh, I don't know if it's an amazing coincidence or what's it, but this, there's, there's an actual event. Yeah, well, what, are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> June, <laughs> <got a bit. laughs> June 30th, which is what, a Thursday? It is uh, a Thursday. Is a Thursday. I, have to take, I have to take the night off work. Oh, well, we appreciate your sacrifice. because yeah, you changed, after we scheduled this, you changed your work schedule. Well, Thursday's a way better night than Wednesday Let's nights not to work. get into the argument over Stewart's work schedule. Thursday, June 30th, Thursday. at 92 Wide Tribeca, 200 Hudson Street, Manhattan, mm-hmm. as you heard. What is it, 8 o'clock is the show? 7.30 or I don't know. If you go into the 92Y website, it is listed now. Which is? And the picture that is on the website is of the Barbarian Brothers, not of me and Dan. (laughs) We will be. I'd like to clarify that. We will be screening the movie Twin Sitters about twin bodybuilders who wear weird clothes. And babysit twin brat kids. And also featuring George Lazenby. Is he in it? Yeah, he's the villain. Oh, my God. Isn't he? Uh, yeah, we talked. We talked about this, Dan. We watched it together. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be there. We're gonna be talking. We'll There's be gonna providing be... running commentary. If you've ever been watching a movie and thought, "I wish my buddies the Flophouse were here talking over this movie," this is your chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you ever watched Mystery Science Theater three thousand and wanted to see that emulated poorly, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> imagine but it, right in front of you. Yeah. Imagine an equivalent to that that is not legally actionable, and that's the Flophouse presents. Uh, twin sitters. Yeah. So we can't use with like, I love robot bad puppets and we can, but not those robots. In okay. conjunction with I love bad movies. Yeah. The best bad movie zine there is. Yeah, and if you go to uh, I love bad they've recently purchased that domain name. Mm-hmm. So you can go and you can uh, check out that bad movie zine. If you can't, if you're not sated by this podcast, and if you and to kind of ease your hunger over waiting until June 30th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because an episode of the Flophouse just makes me hungry for more, you know. <laughs> sure. If I if I was a listener at home, and not me, the guy making this thing. Unfortunately, I, th- I feel like we've we've talked so long that we can't sate your hunger for more. Yeah, yeah it's that time. is unfortunate. We're gonna we have prob- to push our recommendations to the next time. We're gonna have to leave the audience wanting something. Yep. So Balto is what Dan recommends, right? <laughs> Dan wanted to recommend the animated film Balto, but no time for that this week. We're going to have to sign off. My life is a house. Just make sure to clear off June 30th on your calendar because you will be flopping away with the floppers in flop time. It, co- it costs money, but not that much money. Yeah. No, not that much money. It costs more than the podcast, but it costs less than a house. Okay. That sounds great. <laughs> the perfect amount. <laughs> so guys, uh it's been it's been it's been great to spend some time with you. Yeah. Watch, watch a Nicholas Always Cage Dan. Film. Yeah. yeah. Quit rubbing my uh quit rubbing my knee, Elliot. No, I think I'm gonna keep going. All right, well, uh for the flop house I've been was... Dan McCoy. Oh, I've been Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and I am Elliot Kalen. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Are we gonna talk about this on the show? Uh yeah.
<laughs> Make sure we get this serious political discussion. Welcome to Bin Laden Report. Well, um, if I can tell one thing from uh, our fans is that they want to hear my political views on things. <laughs> sure. What does the house cat think about raising the debt ceiling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like boobs indeed, house cat. <laughs> boobs.